Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Pastor Jim gives you the green light to talk to yourself today. Just try not to answer. He says, at a minimum, you need to tell yourself daily to trust in Jesus. You may get an image of Moses reading the Ten Commandments when you hear Pastor Jim giving you this command, but it's for good reason. If you forget to tell yourself just once, then you slip into that habit again and again. Before you know it, you start to struggle with the same old habits and fears you left behind. So let's say it together, I trust Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Revelation chapter 2 as he continues his message, Persevering Through Pressure. Now, here's the really, really bad part. This is one of the verses that people have used for a word, the words of Jesus for anti-Semitism throughout the centuries. And people still use it today. They say that we hate the Ku Klux Klan. One of their mottos is, we hate the Jews because they killed Christ. Okay, we are not to be anti-Semitic, all right? Let me just remind people who may need a reminder, or maybe you might want to remind your friend who says that they are Christian, but they are anti-Semitic. Jesus was a Jew. The apostles were Jews. And so we are not to be that way. Okay, point two, I told you that was long. That was a whole sermon in itself. Let's go to number three. Number three is the complaint. The complaint. Remember last week with what the complaint was? You've left your first love. Okay? I want everybody to write this one down. Smyrna, the complaint. Ready? You ready? You ready? None. <laughs> that was fast, right? That was none. What do you mean, amen? <laughs> She's like, amen. Can they all be that short? <laughs> My goodness. Right? You know, some, if you're a guest here, this is one of the things, like, probably they didn't tell you, like, don't sit in the first row or don't, don't say anything out too loud because he'll work off the crowd. So, and then that's when his kookiness comes out, right? And so there is none. Why? Because the church is healthy. So he's telling us, pay attention to this church. Now we come to number four, the correction. The correction. Essentially, there is none. Instead, it's a command. Look at the beginning, first half of verse 10. And I, this is such a word for our times. And if you have your Bible with you, or you have a Bible app or something like that that you're using, you should highlight these words. He says, do not fear. Do not fear. Stop listening to your emotions. Stop listening to all the crazy stuff that's going in your head. If you're new here, this is one of the, the things we constantly say to ourselves here. We say, stop listening to yourself and start preaching to yourself. Okay? Stop listening to the kookiness of your brain and start saying, I don't need to be afraid. Jesus is with me. I don't need to be afraid. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Now, you would hope he would be saying, don't fear, I got everything under control, you're not going to suffer a thing. But that's not what he says. He's honest with them. He says, do not fear those things which you're about to suffer. So let's stop right there. What is he saying to us? Turn the news off. Turn the phone off. And start praying. And start thanking me for being with you. 
and start being aware of my presence. That's what you need to do. Turn the news off, turn the phone off, and start reading your Bible so you know that I am with you, so you know that historically my people have gone through great trouble, great trials, great pressure, great tribulation, but I have always been with them, and you are not the exception to that rule. I am with you, and keep preaching it to yourself, and preaching it to yourself, and preaching it to yourself, and when you think you've heard enough, Preach it to yourself, and preach it to yourself, and preach it to yourself. He says, indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Stop right there. This is a spiritual battle, he says, that you're in. And one guy wants to destroy you, and I want to test you in the sense of, I want to make your faith stronger, and you will have tribulation 10 days. So again, the test will show them the strength of their faith, but also, sadly, many abandon their faith. Now, the question becomes, will it be a literal 10 days? Now, we have to just take ourselves out of the culture we live in. For us, we, you know, judge does a fine. Two years in prison, five years in prison, 20 years in prison, life in prison. That was not the Roman prison system. Sometimes people read that stuff in the Old Testament and they're like, oh my gosh, look at the crime for doing all this stuff, right? It wasn't like Moses, you know, somebody did a crime and Moses could go, hey, Joshua, call 911, get the police here. Okay, he couldn't do that. So they had all these harsh penalties for doing stuff. You know why? God did not want them to do it. If you knocked it, you know, uh, you had a servant, you knocked their tooth out, you got in trouble, right? You can't go beating on your people who work with you and stuff like that. And so, but in Rome, it was very different. A lot of times, the Roman prisons were just a quick holding cell, whether they were going to let you go or whether they were going to execute you. So you were only there for a short time. So it could be the idea that you're going to be in the holding tank for execution, or it could be that you're going to be there for a short time. Other people associated with Daniel chapter 1, which they would have been very familiar with, the 10-day food test for the young men, and the idea then would be, as they were faithful, the Lord is faithful, and no matter what, you will emerge victorious. Now, you have to say, well, well, if they're there short, yes, but what if they're killed? Jesus is saying to us throughout this whole passage, whether you emerge from whatever you have, you get out, you're victorious. Or if you die, you're victorious. You're going to win either way. So Jesus says, do not fear. Again, preach to yourself. Trust in Jesus. Continue to walk with Jesus. Continue to be bold in your faith. Bold does not mean obnoxious. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. Be faithful. And prepare your soul for battle. It's not a matter if the battle is coming. It is a matter of when the battle is coming. And the days they lived in, and the days we live in, are both a spiritual and emotional battle that will test our faith and test our character. The tests, for some of you, you're right in the middle of it right now. For some of you, are on the other end of a test. And some of you, a test is on the way soon. But it is 
coming. You're, the pressure is tough. It's difficult. You don't know which way to turn. And I'm not going to make a wholehearted statement, but I will tell you this. Generally, pressure makes you fearful or it makes you fruitful. Pressure will do one or two things. It will make you want to walk away from God or it will make you much stronger in him. You say, okay, great. I'm with you, Pastor Jim. I got one problem. How is it that we cannot fear? And here's where we have to remember we're studying not just verses, but passages. Go back to verse eight. We cannot fear because Jesus is the first and the last. Jesus knows what is ahead of you. Jesus knows what is ahead of his church, what is ahead of our church. Remember, we saw, those of you who've been here, a lot of you are new since COVID, we saw so many people move out of New Jersey because we had a very, you know, a lot of people worked for professional companies and they were able to work remotely and so many people moved out. And then I'm getting emails from people who, who used to go here and they're like, oh, you know, we, uh, we really miss actually living in New Jersey because we really miss the church. But we heard it's, God filled it up again. <laughs> and remember when we came back and we we're like, oh, there's none of us here. We're church planting again, <laughs> right? But if we always keep that church planting mindset that we're always starting afresh every Sunday, it's not gonna get boring. And so God is saying, I know what's ahead for you. I know what's ahead for your church. That's God's sovereignty, okay? That's how we don't fear because we know. We don't know what the future holds, right? But we know who holds the future. Also, Jesus said, I was dead in verse eight. I was dead and I came to life. What is Jesus saying? Listen, no matter what you're going through, even death couldn't defeat me. And because you belong to me, nothing can defeat you. And it's important to remember that because of who Jesus is, that he sees us and he is with us in our suffering. I think that is, and I know I said that already, but it, loved ones, it's such an important point to remember that Jesus is with you in your suffering. So you don't have to fear and keep preaching that to yourself. That's important because, and listen, I am never gonna be some famous TV guy because this is not what people on TV wanna hear. Going on the internet is the closest I'll ever get to being on TV, okay? Suffering in life is unavoidable. It is unavoidable. So if you think you're the only person suffering, it's unavoidable. In fact, quick show of hands. How many of you have ever suffered in your life? Would you please raise your hand? You know, it would have been easier if I said how many of you have never suffered. <laughs> Because just about everybody raised their hand. And the rest are like, I'm, I'm suffering so bad right now, I can't even get my hand up. Like I wanted to raise my hands during worship and I couldn't even get my hands in the air because things are that bad for me right now. They are so very difficult. Suffering is unavoidable in life, but we don't have to fear anyone or anything because Jesus is with us. God is sovereign, he knows what will happen, and Jesus defeated death. But by defeating the greatest of all enemies, death, that also means that Jesus has defeated all we will face in this life. 
Sadly, once again, many run from the faith when life is hard, but loved ones, there, there are no promises of an easy life in the scriptures. There are none. The promises are, the easy life is in the next life. The promises in the scriptures are this, the divine presence of God in your life if you are a follower of Jesus. Now, you have to work at experiencing that. Maybe sometime you just need to go out for a walk and just look up in the sky and be like, I know you're here. But I, just need to, I just need to feel like you're here. It, it, the promises of, of God's comfort available to you. The promises of the blessings of the Lord, but not the American blessings of the Lord. The blessing is the presence of God in your life in the midst of your pain and your suffering. That's why it's important to live one day at a time. And Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Another version says, tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Another version says, each day has enough trouble of its own. So plan, yes, Constantly worry? No. So we plan for life. It's okay to plan. But constantly worrying? No. Now, some of you say, I plan, and it never turns out the way I plan. Hello. Welcome to the club. <laughs> It'll turn out a lot more closely to what you want it to turn out, but that's just the way life goes. That takes us to number five. The consequence or the consequences, it can be plural sometimes. The end of verse 10, be faithful until death. I don't think that means, a lot of times people, Christian people think, well, I invite Jesus into my heart and then I die and I go to heaven and in between, oh well, that's whatever. No, I think when he says be faithful unto death, he's saying from now all the way until the time you die and see Jesus, be faithful. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Now, in Revelation chapters two and three, you get negative, usually goes like this. The consequences usually goes like this. First, he starts with a negative consequence, okay? What's gonna happen to you if you fail to repent? And then he follows up with, Jesus is gonna follow up with a positive consequence if you do what he tells you to do. But Smyrna gets two positives. Why? because they're being faithful. Yet, even in the midst of being faithful, they need Jesus's encouragement. So Jesus says, continue to be faithful and I will give you a crown. Now this is not the crown of a king, but this is rather the crown of victory for an athlete or a military leader. We might say it, it's a medal or a trophy you get for winning an athletic competition. Now, for some of you, depending upon how old you are, what I just said means absolutely nothing. Means nothing. Because I come from the generation where only the first place team got the trophy, right? But some of you come from the generation where everybody gets a trophy. One year, my, I coached two basketball teams. My daughter and youngest son are four years apart, so I coached both of their basketball teams. My daughter's team went undefeated. What a coach. <laughs> My son's team lost every game. <laughs> but they got the same trophy. 
We're driving home in the car. My son says this to me. Dad, would you mind if I threw this trophy out when I got home? So I engage him in a conversation. Inside, I am so proud. And I said to him, why would you say that? He goes, I don't want a loser trophy. <laughs> I don't want a trophy for being a loser. You know, let the winning team get it, but I don't, I don't want that. But this is, a, this is a trophy for winning. How do you get it? You're faithful to Jesus. You become a self-sacrificing person. You know, sometimes one of the best things you can do when you're suffering is to serve. It really is because at least, just imagine you have to come in, serve maybe for 90 minutes at church. Isn't it nice to take a 90-minute vacation from your life sometimes? It's just wonderful. You endure. You hang in there all the way to the end, and Jesus will usher you into eternity. So what will this crown be like? Man, that's a, that is a tough question. That is a long question. I just was like, Lord, I'm running short on time. You know, what, what do I do here? So I just wrote this down. The highest joy and happiness of eternal glory and an immortality with the Lord. I've said this to you before. When it comes to going to heaven, it doesn't really matter to me what heaven's going to be like. As long as Jesus is there, I'm down with the place. I'm fine with the place. That's all I'm really looking forward to. Anticipating what God has for us has led many people to say this, Jesus is worth dying for. And many people, most of us will not have to, but many people have given their life for their faith. But I want to flip that coin over. And I would agree that Jesus is worth dying for. But loved ones, Jesus is also worth living for. And sometimes we have to just kind of get out of ourselves for a bit and live for Jesus and see how he blesses us in that. Mark 8.35, Jesus said this, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If life is all about you, that's going to be a life of misery. You will lose it. But Jesus says, but whoever loses his life, and notice he says for two things, for my sake, which makes a lot of sense, and for the gospels. If you give your life to helping others hear the gospel, right? You're like, well, I can't really do that. I, I can't tell people the bad news. I'll bring them here. I'll tell them, <laughs> right? Don't worry. Pick them up, right? Tell them the coffee's free. It's good. It's free bagels, right? But whoever loses life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Those are soul-searching thoughts. Am I living my life for Jesus' sake and for the gospel's? The second positive consequence or encouragement in verse 11 is, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, some of your version says conquers, shall not be hurt or be harmed by the second death. This is where Jesus gets very, very serious. And this is where I think for those of you who are not followers of Jesus, you really need to pay attention. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you really, 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 really need to pay attention. Because he's telling us all something that every single one of us needs to know. Some of us needs to listen and do what Jesus tells us to do. And some of us needs to tell somebody else this news. 
He says, you shall not be harmed by the second death or hurt by the second death. Now, the first death is the physical death. And unless we are here when Jesus returns, all of us will experience physical death. It's one to a customer. We're all going to experience it. It is a reality for all of us. But the second death is spiritual death. And the gospel is this, that those who turn to God and put their trust in Jesus, Jesus called it repenting and believing, repenting, turning to God and putting your trust in Jesus, believing in him, those are the people that are saved from this second death. You will not experience it. So what is this second death? This is the judgment of God for sinning, going against his will, and not allowing Jesus to take your sins away from you on the cross. That's what that is. Jesus takes away your sins on the cross, but if you're like, I'm good, I don't need it, you will undergo the second death. The second death is the destination of unbelieving people, people who never put their trust in Jesus Christ, people who have not been motivated by grace to live for God. The second death is eternal separation from God. Now, some of us poorly equate every little aspect of our life with whether we will go to heaven or hell. No, it's have we trusted in the perfect life of Jesus Christ, which is his perfect righteousness, and have we admitted that we are sinners in need of a savior? And when we do, God takes our sin and puts it on Jesus and takes his perfect righteousness and puts it on you. Again, you've got to preach that to yourself when the other guy comes along and tells you you're really not a Christian. You've got to preach that to yourself. So verse 11 is a call for every single person to avoid the second death. And if you have never put your trust in Jesus, you can do that today, right now, in this place. And if you leave here and you're like, oh, I missed it, I should have done it, you can do it in your car, you can do it in your bedroom, you can do it in, in your neighborhood, you can do it anywhere. Here, the risen King Jesus simply says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I guess the question becomes today to every follower of Jesus and to every church, are you, are we all, are we listening? Jesus promises a far greater reward than anything this world can offer you. No fear of death, and you can look forward to eternal life with Jesus. Once again, Jesus rising from the dead guarantees our rising from the dead, but only if you're willing to come to the foot of the cross and say, that should have been me, but you did that for me. You gave your life for me, Jesus, and therefore I will give my life to you. I will turn from the way living for myself and I will live for you. I need your help with this and I will no longer trust in myself, but I will trust in you. And today I wanna to invite you into the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Not by my authority, 
but by his. And for our church, may we be like this church at Smyrna, faithful all the way to the end. So Jesus would look at at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills and say, that's a good church. Angels, come here. That's a good church. They're not full of all the, you know, the, they don't have fog machines and all that other kind of stuff. <laughs> but that's a good church. There's an old expression. No matter what you are going through, remember who you are going to. No matter what you are going through, Remember what you are eventually coming to, the king and his kingdom. May we be like the church at Smyrna, preserving through pressure all for the glory of God. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.